We serve a great Savior indeed, amen? We're going to continue on in worship of that Savior in Psalm chapter 3, which is a psalm, another psalm, a messianic psalm about Jesus. Kids third through, uh, or kids up through fifth grade, excuse me, uh, you are welcome to go learn about Jesus in a different room than this one, but we're all doing the same thing, just in different places. We're going to be in Psalm 3 this morning. You're going to want your Bible in front of you. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I know a guy who can get you one, so um, he's here with us this morning. And I uh, just want to say once again, thank you, Gavin, for uh, being here and just sharing uh, and just that encouragement that God is calling us uh, to go out into all the world and make disciples. That's what we're about here at Rock Prairie Church, to make Christ known from our neighbors to the nations. And uh, really is an important ministry. Think about uh, many people uh, all over the world who have never uh, so much as cracked a Bible uh, because they've never had one to, to open and hold. And, uh, and so such an important ministry. And then you also think about the fact that... That, uh, there are many people all over the world who have never uh, read a Bible because there does not exist one in a language that they know how to read. And that as well should spur us on um, to uh, just understand the task that's in front of us. And that's something that as we prepare to send out Rama to the field as she goes to Radius uh, starting in August uh, to learn how do I go to these places that have yet to be reached with the gospel and plant churches among the unreached. That's uh, what we want to be all about as a church. And we're praying that the Lord would continue to raise up people from our body who are compelled by that vision of people uh, who have no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you so much, Gavin, for coming and sharing that word for us with us this morning. And we're going to continue on in worship in Psalm chapter 3. I'm really excited for all that we have in it uh, this morning for us. And so I'm going to read the entire psalm, and then we will pray and dive in and see what the Lord has to say. It says this, Psalm 3, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on all your people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We praise the one who set us free. Thank you for Jesus, and we thank you that your word is a story about Jesus, our Savior, one who is the name above all names, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of you, God. And so we ask as we look to your word this morning that you would use it to mold us, to shape us, to change us, to spur us on, to convict us of sin that is in our heart, and to encourage us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your faithfulness in that. You'll give me a humble heart, guard my tongue, and give me a boldness as I preach your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
We're in Psalm 3 uh, this morning. Uh, We just had our first uh, How to Teach the Bible class a little bit ago. So uh, as we're kind of doing a little pre-foundations class, um, starting at 9.15, and I'm having to learn how to... how to budget my time. It's really good for me to practice before we get into foundations because I prepared literally twice as much material as we went through today. So half of my slides we didn't get to in the class this morning. Uh, but one thing that we're talking about in this how to teach the Bible class is the importance of context, of background, of understanding not only the passage that you're in, that you're studying, but what's going on around it. And that's especially true when it comes to Psalm 3. Now you see right uh, in Psalm chapter 3, in, in my Bible here, there's kind of bold wording that says, save me, oh my God. And then right under that is kind of smaller lettering. It says, a Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Now, when I was in seminary, uh, by far the most boring class I ever had was, I had this professor, his name was uh, Dr. Gentry. Hopefully he never sees this video. I don't think he will, but he's one of these real eccentric guys that like, he just had no time for anything other than like learning things that were just like so beyond what anyone else can ever understand. Like he, he always wore a tie and he was either tied way up here or like way down here. He, never once did he hit the sweet spot because he just didn't have time for any of that. He didn't have time for, pa- for fashion. One, one, uh, one day, I remember, it was right after Christmas, uh, and he came into class. It was right after Christmas break. He would always wear the same thing, white shirt and some sort of uh, strange tie. But right after Christmas, he had this bright red shirt on. We're like, whoa, Dr. Gentry's like, yeah, my wife got it for me for Christmas. I had to wear it. Still was like wrinkled, you know, could tell. It was just like the first time. He, and then we never saw it again. So anyways, he's one of these guys, right? Very eccentric and brilliant. And in our Old Testament class, I took Hebrew from him and Old Testament, one week in our Old Testament class, we had an entire class on whether or not these little titles in the psalm, so not the bold part, but the part right under where it says the psalm of David, uh, whether or not that's actually part of scripture or not. We had a whole entire class on that, and afterwards I just thought, I can't believe we had a whole class on if that should be a part of scripture. And we were in the manuscripts, we were in all this stuff. And then the next week, or two days later, we come back, a second class on whether or not these, these little titles are actually part of scripture or not. And then it, uh, by the end, you learned, yes, the, they are a part of scripture. And so I say, I couldn't believe we'd spent two entire class periods on that. And I say all that to tell you, I'm going to give you the greatest gift I've ever given you, church, which is just to say, they're part of scripture, just take my word for it, Okay. If I can give you Dr. Gentry's uh, email address if you like really don't believe me, but trust me, just take my word. We, we would have believed him if he just said the same thing. So anyways, just take, take my word for it. It's part of scripture. And it's really important when it comes to this psalm because it's referring to a very specific incident in the life of David. He's actually referring to what happened between David and his son in 2 Samuel chapter 15 to about uh, 17 or 18. And in that story, we read the story of Absalom, David's son, his plan to take over his dad's kingship by force. He's ready to be king, and he doesn't care that it's his own father that stands in the way of him taking the throne. And so he actually, he hatches this plan to overtake the throne. And it's a real sneaky plan. What he does is he goes out and he stands in the city gate, kind of where people would come in and out uh, to, uh, if they had any business to, to do in the city. And he would find the people that were headed to the king with like a dispute that they needed uh, to be uh, adjudicated, fixed, and so um, he would find them, and, and he, before they could get to the king, he'd, he would intercept them and ask them what was going on, and they'd explain the situation to them, and, and he'd kind of butter them up. You're like, oh man, 
You're exactly right. You are in the right here, and that person is in the wrong. The problem is, he would say, he would lie to them. He'd say, there's just nobody in the king's court that can hear these things from you. And uh, it's too bad, because if there was, you know, you'd be right, and you would clearly win your case. He says, man, if only I was, you know, someone like me was king, you know, then, then you'd be fine, and you'd have somebody, and I'd always come, and I'd rule in your favor. And he'd, he'd do this over and over and over and over again. For four years, it says, he did this, complete, and David was completely oblivious. And it, and it worked because, we see in verse 6, Second Samuel chapter 15, it says, Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He stole their hearts, meaning they were, their hearts turned from uh, wanting David to be their king, and they said, you know, they started to believe him. You know, this, this guy's right. So eventually a word gets to David through his messenger, and he says, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom, and David um, understands exactly what that means. So he immediately says to his servants, he says, arise, let us flee, or else there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us quickly and bring, us to bring down ruin on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. So that's the context that this psalm was written from. David has taken this few men that have remained loyal to him and he's run away into the mountains. I mean, imagine that. We can't imagine that, right? His own son is trying to kill him to take his throne. And so he writes the words of Psalm 3 while he's running away from his son who's trying to take his life. Now, if you want to find out what happens in the rest of the story, that's good homework for you this week. You're going to have to read it on your own in 2 Samuel. But we need to understand that context if we're going to know how do we apply this psalm in our lives. This psalm is written from the depths of human desperation and agony. David is not only afraid for his life, He's not only has no idea how he's going to reestablish his kingship as he's literally on the run. This is the king on the run. And what makes it even more shameful is he's on the run from his own son. So this is written from the depths of like human desperation. And what I love about the Psalms is that even if they're written about a specific situation like this one is, they're written for corporate worship, which means they're for all of us. And so we're going to see the way that David reacts to this awful situation in his life, how he responds to it. And as we look at his response, we're going to see how we are called to respond in a different situations. Now on the other side of the cross, how we're called to respond to, respond to situations that we're, we walk through as well. And so we see David do a few things in this psalm. And the first thing we see him do is pretty much to complain, to complain, to Look at verses 1 and 2. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, accusing him, there is no salvation for him in God. What word do you see repeated uh, three times in those verses? Say it out loud. Mumble it out loud. Good job. What is it? Many. Many. He has many enemies, he says it. Three times. What do you think he's trying to communicate there? There's a bunch of them. Exactly right. That's exactly what my notes say, actually. There's a lot. Very good. Good job. He's surrounded <coughs> excuse me, by enemies. He's surrounded by people who want to throw him off the throne and take his life. And, 
it's worse than that. Like we said, this angry mob has been stirred up very deliberately and carefully by his own son. It's a betrayal of the highest order. Think about everything David had been through to even establish his throne. Everything he'd gone through with Saul previously. And now, right as things are going well for him, right as David has established himself as a strong and well-respected king, he's in the middle of governing his nation and uh, completely obliviously to him, his own son has been stirring up this rebellion and he's running for his life. But it's not only his physical life that he feels is under attack. Look at verse 2. They're specifically accusing him. They're saying, many are saying of my what? Soul. There is no salvation for him in God. They're taunting him. He feels these accusations like maybe God has given up on him. Maybe God has abandoned him. Maybe it's for his sin with Bathsheba. They're saying God won't save him. God wants nothing more to do with him. Can you think... Can you imagine being any lower than this situation that David's in? So what does he do? We say he complains. That's, that's a, a negative word, but I don't mean it negatively necessarily. What I mean, David brings all of this very real, raw emotion to God. He tells God exactly what's happening. He brings the entire situation to him. He doesn't hide it. In his relationship with the Lord, he doesn't sugarcoat it. He's lamenting here. God, there's too many of them. They're all coming up against me. They're accusing me of being unworthy, of being saved, and I don't know what to do. Many of you have walked through extremely dark periods in your life. You've walked through long seasons where you felt like maybe even God himself had given up on you, that everyone hated you. Maybe you felt at times like your life is worthless. Maybe you've started to believe your enemies. Maybe you've been tempted to think that you were better off dead. Maybe you're going through a period like that even right now. I don't know what's going on in your heart, but I, just, I hope this encourages you. Before we move on, and see the turn that David makes towards God. We need to recognize that he starts here. He starts right in the depths of it. Right in the middle of it. Not trying to make it seem like it's any better than it is. So we should see in this and be encouraged by the fact that you can go to the Lord no matter what situation you find yourself in. No matter what. I've never gotten a text from anyone in our church that said, hey, Pastor Mike, can you add me to the prayer list? Uh, my son has you know, fomented a rebellion against me, and, and I'm on the run for my life. Nobody's texted that. Can, yeah, can you send that out in the church email this week? I've never had that. But if, if I had that, that, we would still pray for that, right? No matter what you're going through. You can bring it to the Lord in a real way. I think sometimes we're tempted to think that we need to kind of cover up things or hide what we're going through or even make ourselves appear better to, uh, to the Lord or to other brothers and sisters around us. And that's just simply, you never see that in Scripture. That's a lie from the enemy. The enemy wants to whisper in your ear, God doesn't want to hear that. Don't, you can't go to him with that. Or, or you're the one who got yourself in this mess. You better get yourself out. That's what the enemy wants to tell you. That's not what God says. David cries out to God. He is complaining <laughs> of the situation that he's in. And the Lord hears. 
And praise the Lord. And, 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 and it's important to notice he doesn't just stay there, though. Yes, he cries out to the Lord, but he doesn't just stay there. Look at what he does next. He prays, verse 3. He clings to this promise in his prayer. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. And he says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. So he complains about his situation, yeah, but he doesn't stay there. Sometimes we get tempted to stay there, right? But he moves on, and he goes to the Lord in prayer, clinging to this promise that God is three things, that God is his protector. He says, you're a shield about me. You are the one who's protecting me, God, no one else. He says, you are my glory. You are the one who holds my head high. And then he says this, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I love that. He cried aloud. What does your prayer life look like? This wasn't a, okay, um, dear Jesus, please help me get out of this little situation I'm in with my son. No. He cried aloud to the Lord. And he has confidence that the Lord hears him. And so I just wonder this morning as we look to this psalm, I wonder what is your instinct? Do you have that same instinct as you walk through dark periods in your own life? Do you have that same instinct that David has to bring it to God and then cry aloud to the Lord and have him fix it? I don't know if we do or not. I was really convicted by this when uh, we were in uh, Guatemala. You're going to just prepare yourself. You're going to hear a whole bunch of sermon illustrations from Guatemala over the next months, but I can't help it. Uh, But we were in Guatemala, and and Les, who's the Canadian founder of the ministry, was we were eating with him, and he was telling us a story about a previous team that had been there, and um, he was telling a story about this. uh, It was a a high school team. And there was a teenage girl that when she got there the first night, they were unpacking all their stuff. And um, this girl just started all of a sudden freaking out, like freaking out, full-blown panic attack, like just like absolutely like he'd never seen anything like it before. And they didn't know what was going on. So uh, he rushed into uh, the room and, and uh, Hugo, one of the uh, Guatemalan leaders there, rushed in as well. And, and, uh, and some of the other people were, were in and trying to console her and calm her down. And, and finally, they, they got out of her. What was going on was that she had left some medicine at home that she needed. And the medicine was specifically to help her sleep at night. She'd been just completely 100% percent dependent on this medicine I think I guess she had really bad insomnia or something and like she she did not sleep if she didn't have the medicine and for years and years in her life she uh, had been fully dependent on it and so Les said well his first instinct was to think as probably my first instinct would have been and probably yours as well well how do we get her this medicine right what can we do like who like maybe she can get through tonight somehow and then we'll we'll make some phone calls to people we know in Guatemala City see if they can like rush it to us or have somebody like overnight it to us back in the states and um and we'll get her this medicine that was his first instinct but Hugo the Guatemalan uh, leader his first instinct was very different he said okay everyone gather around we're gonna pray (laughs) he sat her down everyone lays hands on her and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. They prayed for a very long time sometimes in Guatemala. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed that the Lord would allow her to sleep. And, uh, and uh, guess what? <laughs> she slept. And uh, guess what happened the next night? She slept again. 
And the next night she slept and they never, she didn't bring, have the medicine. She, she slept. And then guess what happened when she uh, got home? I think she's Canadian. I guess what happened when she got home to Canada? She thought, well, I slept without it in Guatemala. Maybe I can sleep without it in uh, Canada too. And she did. And to this day, he said she still doesn't use the medicine. And I was just so convicted by that. Like, what's the moral of the story? I was so convicted by that because if it was me, if I was the leader there, I would have messed up what God wanted to do. So I said, okay, well, let's get you your medicine that you need. Now, now, this is, don't take this the wrong, like, sometimes we need medicine, okay? So that's not what I'm saying. But what would have been my first instinct there <laughs> wouldn't have been to cry out to the Lord. I would have had a too small of a view of what God wanted to do. And I just wonder, as we walk through some of these situations, sometimes we just feel like, man, I, I know what I need to do to fix it, so I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do to fix it. And that's what God wants from me. He just wants me to fix it, right? That God helps those who help themselves, right? Some of, so that's some of your favorite verse. The problem is it's not in the Bible. <laughs> God wants us to cry out to him and know that he answers because God wants to do more than we can ever ask or imagine, but we've got to let him do it. David cried out to the Lord. And he answered him. So let's be a people whose first instinct isn't, okay, how can I fix this problem like I think it needs to be fixed? Sometimes, again, it doesn't mean we don't do anything. Sometimes we got to do things. We've got to bring it to the Lord and cry out to him and allow him to work. And then look at what happens right after David cries out to God. I love this. What does he do? He goes to sleep. Verse 5. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. I lay down and slept. And when you're anxious, what is the first thing that usually goes, right? Your ability to sleep. Just talking to uh, Pastor David this morning, he said that he woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning and, uh, and had to go to the bathroom and then couldn't fall asleep afterwards. He wasn't anxious, so, so that's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes I drink coffee at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon and then I can't fall asleep. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about times in your life where you're like literally tossing and turning. Something's on your mind and you just can't get it off your mind. You can't stop thinking about it. And your sleep goes. So what is David saying here? He's making, he's not just telling, he's not just giving us a narrative of what happened in his day. He's making a declaration. I lay, I cried out to the Lord. He answered me, so I lay down and slept. And then God woke me up again, and he sustained me. Who's the sovereign one here, church? God is. Who's the one in control of everything? God is. There are men seeking him trying to take his life here. It says he laid down and slept. What can you control when you're asleep? Nothing. What problems can you fix in your life when you're asleep? None. So David is in the middle of this incredible situation. He says, I went down to sleep. What a cool image of a man in the middle of one of the worst storms imaginable, resting soundly in the promises of God. Church, you can rest soundly in the promises of God. And so let me ask you this morning, do you need to rest in the Lord in something? 
Is there something going on in your life, in your heart, that you've done what you can do, you've cried out, you've given it to the Lord, but you're still hanging on to that, like, I need to be in control somehow, or I need to, like, maybe I can just worry this problem away. It's not what we're called to do. Can you rest in him? What do you need to do? What do you need to give up so that you can say, I laid down and slept, and I woke up, and I trusted the whole time that the Lord was going to sustain me. I knew I could close my eyes on that pillow because I'm not the one in control. It's God. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. David was surrounded by enemies on all sides, and after he'd done everything he could to escape, he'd run away, and then what did he do? He laid down to sleep because he knew it was up to God at that point. So whatever it is, I don't know if it's something really tiny in your life or just some massive thing that you need to just give over to the Lord and allow him to take control, whatever that is, God is calling you to take that thing in your life and give it to him so that you can rest in him and in his promises. Praise God. I mean, what an amazing thing. And we don't have to. Like, God is not a God who is just like, uh, like an angry um, master over us of just like, how dare you give that to me? You're the one who's supposed to handle that. No. Cry out to God and rest in him. Praise the Lord. Amen. I mean, we could end there, honestly. Just cry out to God and rest in him. But the psalm only gets better from here because not only do we see that David complains, he brings the situation to the Lord, he cries out to him, he rests in God's sovereignty, and then we see this incredible confidence that David has that salvation belongs to the Lord. Look at verse 7 with me. It says this, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. <clears throat> your blessing beyond your people. He's 100% confident that the Lord is going to rescue him. David is. And as we wrap up our time in Psalm 3, here's where we really need to zone in. And be careful how we apply this in our lives. Because one way to apply this would be as salvation belongs to the Lord. So if you do these things, if you bring it to God, if you cry out to him, if you rest in him, then he's going to fix that problem, right? We could apply that. But that would be uh, wrong to apply it that way. Why is that? Sometimes the problem doesn't get fixed. It's not always true. Sometimes God does rescue you from a situation you are in. Other times he doesn't. Sometimes the cancer isn't curable, Sometimes the relationship falls apart. Sometimes the loved one that you prayed for your entire life never comes to Christ. And so if this psalm is promising that God is always going to rescue you from whatever situation you're in, it wouldn't make much sense when he doesn't. So how do we apply this? Why would David, why could David have so much confidence that the situation he's in that looked hopeless, where his son's trying to throw him off the throne, why could David have so much confidence that he was going to be physically rescued from that situation? Why? Because of the promise of God. We talked about it last week, right? In 2 Samuel chapter 7, the Davidic covenant, God promises to David that his kingdom will be established and reign, he would reign forever. And so nobody's going to throw him off that throne because God had promised him specifically, literally, that he would be the king and that his descendants would reign forever. 
And so David believed God. He's clinging to those promises, and he knew that he would be rescued. Now, here's where it all comes full circle. Can you think of, church, another king in Scripture who came after David, who, like David in this situation, was rejected by his own people? Can you think of a king who came after David who was rejected by his own people and his life was being threatened? Can you think of a king who came after David who was rejected by his people, whose life was being threatened, who was being mocked, who was saying God won't save him? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. This psalm points us forward to Christ. And so while we can take some lessons in this psalm about walking, how do we walk through really dark, really difficult, really hard times, we can take some lessons from this psalm, but ultimately we have to see that this psalm is pointing us forward to Jesus, to the one church, get this, who lied down to sleep in death and then awoke again. Amen? Amen? Because the Lord sustained him. Okay, so now we know we might not be saved from death like David knew he would be. You might be in a situation that causes you to physically die. We might not be saved from death like David knew. But we can know with the same 100% confidence that David had that we will be saved, church, through death. The death of the Son. The death of Jesus. If we, like David, believe the promises of God. Amen? One commentator says this. <clears throat> he says, you may be hard-pressed. Your close family or close friends may turn against you. You might lose your job. You might lose your life. Your own children may turn against you, steal from you, hurt you. The promise of the gospel is that you will lie down, sleep, and wake up again, for the Lord will sustain you. Praise the Lord for the gospel. We don't know what this life will bring. We don't know what kind of suffering might come our way. The psalm doesn't promise deliverance from that physical suffering every time, but it promises us something so much better, church promises us salvation in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. So as we go out the rest of our 4th of July weekend as you're uh, grilling hot dogs or watching fireworks or swimming in the pool or you can know one thing for certain, no matter what you're going through, you can bring it to God. You can cry out to Him and you can rest in His sovereignty and that ultimately you can know that in Christ you will be saved. Maybe not in this life, but certainly in the life to come, which is far better. And praise the Lord for that hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the promise of the gospel. God, we thank you that you give us in your word the tools that we need to walk through whatever situation you're calling us to walk through. And some of us in this room have walked through incredibly dark situations, Lord, and some of us are about to, and maybe we don't know it. And in that, God, you don't leave us on our own. 
You call us to come to you, to cry out to you, and to rest in you. And we praise you for that, God. And we thank you that no matter what those situations will ultimately bring, we do know that Christ will ultimately be victorious. That no weapon formed against us will ultimately stand. Because Christ is on the throne. And he will reign forever and ever, Lord. Cause our hearts to be more in love with you. Cause us to take, allow this to spur us on to bring the good news to our neighbors and to the ends of the earth, God. Because there is no better news. It's not possible for there to be better news than Jesus came and died and rose again so we could be forgiven and live forever. We praise you. We thank you. We love you, God. Thank you for your son. We pray in his name. Amen.